Have you ever wondered why it is that so many people respond differently to the gospel? Have you ever wondered why so many people hear the same good news and some believe it and others don't? Have you ever wondered why some people hear the gospel and are totally changed and become radically different people? And some people believe the message, but their change doesn't seem to last? And how is it that that hundreds of people can be in the same room together and hear the same proclamation of the same message and leave with vastly different results? Some people here today will hear the message that is proclaimed and, and you will have encouragement, you will have conviction, you will possibly have repentance, you will have a sense of, of, of understanding. And yet others in this room quite likely will hear the very same message and leave as if the Word of God had never been spoken. Perhaps you can even think about it from your own experience. Because if your experience is something like mine, there was a time in which you probably attended church and heard the Word of God spoken and it actually did very little for you. That was my experience for the first 20 years of my life. That was my experience even on some Sundays as an early disciple of Jesus. So maybe you can sit back and think about a time when perhaps you attended church and you went with your parents every week and you listened to the message. I can remember growing up at Fairview Baptist Church in Columbus, Mississippi. At that time, we we met in in a sanctuary that was not quite as large as this and we had two worship services going and a balcony and my family was one of those that sat on the balcony. And so I remember sitting in the balcony at First Baptist Church as a young boy and hearing the gospel, hearing my pastor at that time, Gene Henderson, preach. And, and I heard what he preached, but most of the time I sat there on Sundays and thought, when is he going to get finished so we can go home? Actually, we would go to my grandmother's house down the road and, and have lunch. So when are we going to get done so I can go to my malices and have roast beef? That was primarily what occupied my mind most Sunday mornings. Even as a, as a young teenage boy, I could sit there and hear the word preached, and sometimes I could feel conviction, and yet for many of us, I would, like many, I would leave church and do absolutely nothing about it. How is it that we can, we can hear the word of God preached and, and hear the gospel proclaimed, and then by Tuesday, very few of us could probably even talk about the passage that was preached or the main point of the text. Well, Matthew chapter 13 gives us some insight into that because in this particular parable that we're going to look at today, Jesus helps us to understand about the importance of receptivity to the Word of God. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, I want to ask you to open up to Matthew chapter 13 as we begin the first of about 10 parables that we are going to look at. Now, all in all, Jesus told about 40 different parables within the Scriptures to teach spiritual truths. And last week, we began this series through the parables by looking at the purpose of the parables, why Jesus chose to to teach spiritual truths embedded in stories and illustrations often borrowed from everyday life. 
And we started this series by setting the scene when Jesus told one of the most important and familiar parables, which we will return to today and break it down. It's often labeled as the parable of the sower. In your Bible, it may be labeled that way, the parable of the sower, but it is probably more aptly described as the parable of the soil because it's the soils which get the most attention and from which we draw the main purpose of this parable. And so I want us to begin by reading this parable that Jesus teaches us and reviewing for a few moments what a parable is and why Jesus used them. And then we'll see how Jesus explains the parable in verses 18 through 23 in just a second. So let's first of all read Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 through 9. The Bible says this particular day Jesus went out of the house in which he was staying and sat beside the sea and Great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables. And he's going to start with this parable and he's going to teach several parables in a row here. So he said, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground. Well, they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he ends the parable. He withdraws from there, goes off with his disciples, those in the crowd who were his true followers, who were closest to him. They, as we saw last week, ask him, why are you speaking to the people in parables? And Jesus begins to explain that. To help us to understand what's happening in this particular parable and why Jesus chose to tell this parable at this particular time, last week we we reviewed a little bit of what happened in Matthew chapter 12 just prior to this parable. In those chapters, Matthew is describing for us that that Jesus' ministry was growing in reputation and awareness that He might actually be the Messiah. And so as a result of that, the Pharisees began to investigate and began to come up and spend more time around Jesus. And and as the the crowds around Jesus began to, to grow in their thinking that Jesus might be the actual Messiah, the Pharisees grew in their rejection of Jesus and in their criticism of him and his disciples. And so while Jesus is is becoming more and more visibly popular, the Pharisees attack him and his disciples because his disciples walked through the fields on a Sabbath and took some grain and ate it, and they accused Jesus' disciples of not honoring the Sabbath. They accused Jesus of of dishonoring the Sabbath because he healed a man in the synagogue on on a Sabbath morning. And they accused Jesus when he healed a a man who was blind and and deaf and and lame. They accused him of casting out the demons by the power of the evil one. And so in the process of doing that, a division began to form in the crowd. And this crowd that was probably numbering several thousand people that were coming out on a regular basis to see and hear Jesus 
They were caught in between the evidence of what they saw with their eyes and the accusations of the Pharisees with whom they trusted to be the spiritual gatekeepers of the law. And so many in the crowd began to be confused. And some began to side with Jesus and some began to side with the Pharisees. And so that's why Matthew tells us here in Matthew chapter 13 verse 2 about these great crowds that were gathering about him. And Jesus makes a very pivotal choice in this particular part of his ministry to begin to start to speak these spiritual truths in these parables, in these stories. A parable is a simple story that uses common everyday elements to teach spiritual truths. So Jesus wants to teach the people spiritual truth, but he does so by by using simple stories with elements that they can understand. And in those stories, there's a truth embedded in there. And that's why Jesus says at the end of the parable, if you have ears to hear, then you need to hear. Indicating for us that there are some people in the crowd that didn't hear and understand the parable, and there were some people that could. As John MacArthur says, a parable is an ingeniously simple word picture illuminating a profound spiritual truth. And Matthew chooses to insert this parable and and this particular encounter in his gospel for a reason, for a strategic purpose. This parable of the soils is classified as a kingdom parable because it describes for us something about the kingdom of God. In a kingdom parable, Jesus is describing for us the kingdom. He's describing for us who's in the kingdom, what the kingdom of God is like. And many of the parables that he tells are kingdom parables because he will say the kingdom of God is like, and then he will begin to tell a story. And the main thrust of this particular parable is this. It's on hearing and receiving the word of God. We're going to break that down in just a second. And so this parable is given to us to help us see the importance of properly hearing and receiving the word of God, the testimony of God about Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the point of the parable. And so in just a moment, we're going to look at the main point of the parable and several personal applications to it. The most important thing to remember when you are studying a parable in the Bible is that each parable that Jesus taught, he taught to impart one primary spiritual truth or one primary spiritual purpose. Sometimes the truth of the parable is clear. Sometimes Jesus provides an explanation, as he does for us in just a moment. But sometimes the truth is a little obscured. A parable is not a story with multiple meanings. A parable is not, the meaning of the parable is not left up to us as the recipients to try to figure out for ourselves. We don't come to study a parable and read a parable and say, well, what does that mean to you? And we say, well, to me this parable means this, and to me this parable means this, and to me... When Jesus tells a parable, he tells it at a strategic place to a strategic audience for a strategic purpose. And so as we look at these parables over the next 11, 12 weeks in the series, we're going to see what the primary purpose that Jesus told this for and how it applies to our life. And the primary truth of the parable is found by studying the parable within its context. Who was Jesus speaking to? Where was he in his ministry? What happened just previously before he spoke the parable? Because those contexts give us clues to the interpreting the parable properly. 
And while every parable has one primary spiritual purpose for which Jesus spoke it, the parable can have multiple spiritual principles and applications from which we can draw to our own personal lives. So the, the parable may have one truth, but it may, it may apply to you differently than it applies to somebody else. And it may apply to you differently today than it applied to you five months ago or six months ago. For instance... We can draw from the parable of the Good Samaritan, which we will look at. We can draw from that that one of the things that God wants us to understand from the parable of the Good Samaritan is that all of us need to be aware of the hurt and the needs of others around us and that we need to commit to help other people. And that is an application of the parable of the Good Samaritan. But it's not the primary purpose of the the parable of the Good Samaritan. And many people apply it that way, but they fail to understand the reason why Jesus taught it. So we're going to look at these parables and we're going to teach you what the primary spiritual truth is. And then we're going to draw from that several personal applications. So let's return to the parable of the soils here. Jesus tells us a story about a sower that went out to sow seed in a field. This was a very common thing in the first century. As a matter of fact... Many who probably came to hear Jesus speak that day as they walked and began to, 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 to come to hear Jesus, they probably saw a man out in the field throwing seed and, and broadcasting the seed in his field. It's quite possible Jesus even saw that as well and decided to teach a spiritual truth about something that was very visible to them. The sower has a bag over his shoulders and as he does, he begins to broadcast the seed and he's out in his field and he reaches down into his bag and he grabs a handful of seed and he begins to spread that seed all around. Now remember, this is the first century. They didn't have have John Deere tractors and broadcast spreaders and all of those kinds of things. Uh, You know, when I went out recently to to spread uh, fertilizer in my my yard, I put it all in in a little contraption that I was able to push and it spread it all out for me and did a very good job. In this case, they would hold that seed in their, in their pouch and they would spread that seed out as they walked along and, and, and they would just broadcast it everywhere. And as the sower broadcasts the seed, it falls on different types of dirt, different types of soil. Some of that soil is the path. It's the, it's the hard path around the field and it's the hard trails within the field that the sower has to walk in order to be able to get to the entire field. And some of it falls along the path. Some of it falls into what's called the rocky soil. It's the, it's the soil that, that is, has a lot of bedrock underneath it. And there's some dirt there, but there's also right underneath that layer of dirt a hard bedrock. Some of it falls into some, some path or some soil along the side in the field in which there's a lot of weeds and thorns and thistles. And some of it falls in the good soil. And Jesus tells this parable and he talks about this and everybody understands what he's talking about from a, from a physical perspective because they've seen this happening. But there's confusion about what he means by it. And so Jesus' disciples ask him, what, why, did, why did you teach this parable and what does it mean? And so Jesus tells his disciples in verses 18 through 23 the meaning of the parable. Let's read the meaning. Jesus says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. 
This is what was sown along the path. First soil represents a person who hears the word of the kingdom and yet doesn't understand it. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Now based on the context of this passage that this is occurring, as, as the crowd is divided about who Jesus is, and there are religious leaders in that crowd who are rejecting the very clear authority of Jesus, the point of the parable is very clear. The main point of the parable is this. The most important ingredient that determines the spiritual direction of your life is the receptivity, receptivity of your heart to the Word of God. That's the whole point of this parable. That's the whole reason why Jesus told it to the crowd and to His disciples. And that's what we need to understand today. If you don't take away anything else from what I say today, understand this. The most important ingredient which determines the spiritual direction of your life is your heart's ability to receive the Word of God. Jesus tells us here that these soils represent different types of people and how they hear the Word. Notice in the interpretation that the word here is used in every description of the soil. In verse 19, in verse 20, in verse 22, in verse 23. Each of these four types of soil, each of these four types of people heard the same message. And yet each of them had vastly different results to the message. Because it's about receptivity to the seed, which is the word of the kingdom or the gospel, the word of God. And Jesus makes a direct parallel between the soil in the parable and the human heart. The inner spiritual reality inside each and every one of us. It's the human heart which controls our affections. It's the human heart which guides our decisions. And it's the human heart which determines the direction that we will take in life. And Jesus makes a very clear analogy here between our human hearts and this soil and its ability to hear and receive and do something with the message of the kingdom. Why is it and what are these four types of hearts that hear the word and yet receive it differently? Well, there's four Types of soil representing four types of hearts. The first one is the hard heart. It's the hard heart. It's the soil that, that is along the path. And it represents the human heart which never actually receives the Word of God. Now, we know that the message of the gospel has been proclaimed. We know that they've heard the message because Jesus tells us that in verse 19. These are people who... They've been witnessed to. They've likely attended church. They may even attend church every single week, and yet they have a hard heart towards the things of God. And whenever the gospel is preached, the word of God just bounces off. 
This might be a neighbor or a coworker that you have that, that every single time you try to have a spiritual conversation with them, it's as if you aren't talking the same language. They're, they have no interest in the things of God. They, they have no interest in receiving that. They may hear the message with their ears, but they do not have spiritual ears that are attuned to spiritual truth. Consequently, when the message of the kingdom is proclaimed, it never penetrates their heart and the forces of evil snatch away the message before the person can actually believe it. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us what makes the person's heart hard. And I've, I've heard preachers interpret this parable and they talk about the difficulties of life beating them down and, and that it makes people sometimes unreceptive to the gospel message. And, and I can understand that. It could be a number of different things that have made this heart hard, but I will tell you the most prominent thing that makes a heart hard is a person who loves their sin more than they love hearing about Jesus. That's what makes a heart hard. A person who loves their sin more than they love hearing the truth about who Jesus is. This is a hard heart. Then Jesus talks about the shallow heart. The shallow heart. This is the rocky soil. Jesus describes a soil where a layer of dirt was, was, was there with a seed and it found a hearing. So the, the sower sows the seed and the seed falls there and, and there's a little bit of dirt, maybe a couple of inches of dirt there in which the seed can fall and the rain penetrates and the seed slides down and immediately it springs up. One interpreter I was reading in a commentary said that one of the, one of the earmarks of this is because of the, the bedrock that's underneath it, that that bedrock would have been warm. It would have retained the, 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 the warmth of the sun quicker than the, than the good soil in which there's a lot of deep, rich soil and it's a lot colder in there. And so the, 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 the dirt coupled with the immediate warmth of the bedrock causes the seed to, to germinate quickly and sprout up. Immediately, Jesus says it, it sprouts up. But the problem is what? What does Jesus say? There's no root. As the, as the seed sprouts and the roots begin to go down, immediately they run into this bedrock and they are unable to penetrate it. And so immediately when tribulations, when difficulty, when persecution comes as a result of the Word, when it gets hard to identify with Jesus, the Bible says they fall away. This soil represents the shallow heart. It represents people who likely attend church frequently, and they may have even joined a church once by making a decision to get saved. There may even appear to be some initial signs of life, but the reality is that soon they fall away because their interest in the gospel was likely shallow and self-serving. And for many who have the shallow heart, they want to go to heaven, but they don't want to surrender the right to run their lives their way. It represents what's going on in, in many churches across the landscape of evangelical Christianity in America, where over 50, sometimes 60% of people who have identified with a local congregation seldom, if ever, even attend church, much less demonstrate a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a shallow heart. Third, is the worldly heart. It's the heart that's represented by the thorny soil. This soil also receives the word, but there's, a, there's, there's more depth here to receive it. 
doesn't fall into the bedrock right away, but there's a different problem in this soil. It's a divided heart. There's the Word of God there. The seed of the Word of God falls into the heart, but there's also another seed there, which is the seed of the cares of this world. And this seed is a foreigner. It's a weed. It's an imposter. And because it preaches a different gospel, it preaches a gospel different than the gospel of self-sacrifice and submission to Christ. The seed of the, of, the, of the cares of this world declares that life is defined by what you and I can get now. And it's, it's defined by what's called the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. It's a worldly heart that cares more about temporal, worldly success than it does about eternal life. And so the seed falls in and there appears to be some life, some things begin to spring up, but immediately whenever there comes a time to actually believe and apply the gospel, this divided heart, this worldly heart begins to get choked out because this imposter begins to wrap itself around the, the plant and it never allows it to grow in a healthy manner. It's a worldly divided heart. There's never any fruit from this soil because there's never any genuine repentance. There's never any true saving faith. There's never any trust in, what, in Christ because the trust is in what this world provides. This worldly heart demonstrates what its real trust is in. It's in the desires of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And because of that, it never truly trusts in Jesus. It's a worldly heart. But then Jesus describes for us the fruitful heart. The fruitful heart is represented by the good soil. It's a fruitful heart because it's the only soil that actually bears fruit, as he says in verse 23. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundred, in another sixty, in another thirty. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 18. He said, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What, what proves that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? What proves that you have genuine saving faith? What is the evidence that, that you genuinely have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It's the spiritual fruit of your life. And spiritual fruit is only found in a heart that is receptive to the Word of God. This good soil are true believers in Jesus Christ and consequently true disciples. And while the other soils may give short-term evidence of life, they are examples of false faith. Because only those who receive and apply the gospel are true followers of Jesus Christ. And I believe one of the greatest challenges we have in the church today is that we've, we've, accepted, we've accepted church membership and we've accepted identification with Jesus from hearts that are worldly and shallow and divided. Because of that, there's a lot of confusion about what a true follower of Jesus Christ is and what it looks like. And so as Jesus says here, the most important ingredient which determines the spiritual direction of your life is your receptivity to the Word of God. The one thing that differentiates these four types of soil is the way in which they received the seed. God is the sower. And he is sowing the seed of the gospel. And he sows the seed of the gospel and the truth found in his word. So when you read the Bible on your own, you are receiving the seed of the kingdom. 
When you come to church and you hear the preaching and teaching of his word in, in church or in Sunday school, you are receiving the seed of his word. But whether or not the seed of the word of God will produce any spiritual fruit is determined by your heart conditionally towards the things of God. I can preach the message with clearness and conviction, but I cannot bring spiritual truth. I cannot bring spiritual fruit in your heart. That is dependent upon whether or not you will receive the word. Jesus tells this parable when he does, specifically because the Pharisees had cold hearts towards Jesus. They are perfect examples of the soil that, the, the, where the seed fell along the path. They heard the word, but it never penetrated into their hearts, and immediately the evil one snatched it away because Jesus didn't meet up with their agenda. And Jesus tells this parable because what was becoming very clear to the disciples and to Jesus was that many in the crowd had shallow and worldly hearts and they only followed Jesus for the miracles. They wanted a king who would be a powerful political ruler. They didn't want a king who would die on the cross for his people. As Jesus begins to go deeper and deeper in his ministry, as we read in John chapter 6, he immediately after feeding a crowd of of, of 5,000 men, maybe some 10 to 15,000 people, immediately after feeding that crowd, Jesus begins to teach about what it really means to follow him. And John chapter 6, verse 66 says that many of those who were following him turned and followed him no more. You know why? Because they were those who had cold, shallow, worldly hearts. And while there are dozens and dozens of personal applications of this principle to our life, I want us to focus on four quick personal applications for me and you today. Number one, there is a constant spiritual battle being fought in your heart over receptivity to the Word of God and belief in the gospel. We talked about this a few months ago when we were going through our series on spiritual fruit, that there is a constant and continual battle being fought in your heart over receptivity to the Word of God and belief in the gospel. We are in church this morning. We are in God's house and we are among God's children. But in this place today, there is spiritual warfare going on. In this place today, while the saints of God are gathered and we are singing praises to God and we are proclaiming God's word, the enemy of our faith and his evil ones are here and they are battling against your heart to receive the message that is being proclaimed this morning. The sower in the parable has one agenda, to broadcast the seed in every place possible. The sower is on a mission to spread the seed because the sower knows that the power lies in the seed and not the soil. And Jesus tells us the identity of the sower is Jesus himself, the Son of Man. So we know that he is the one who is broadcasting the seed. He's declaring the message of the gospel. But the battle takes place once the seed is broadcast. It's not a battle over the facts of the gospel. The battle for redemption has already been won by Jesus Christ on the cross. It's not a battle over the facts of who Jesus are. It's a, it is, it's a battle that has to take place over how you receive the Word of God. And if your spiritual heart is too hard or too shallow or too crowded, then the seed will not find a place to germinate and it will not find a place to bear fruit. Every time you hear the gospel, there is a battle in your heart about whether you will receive the message and whether or not you will believe it. It's not a matter of whether the good news is true. 
It's not a matter of whether the good news is good. It's a matter of whether you receive it. Listen carefully. The Bible declares for us that we have an enemy of our faith. And the enemy of our faith knows Romans 1.16 to be true. The enemy of our faith knows that the gospel alone is the power of God into salvation for everyone who believes. He knows that. And so Satan is absolutely fine with you attending church. Satan is absolutely fine with you hearing the gospel as long as you don't believe in the goodness of the gospel. Satan is not threatened by church attendance. As a matter of fact, we will see next week, Satan actually encourages some people to go to church. That's a preview. We'll get more on that next week. Satan is not threatened by the proclamation of the gospel. Satan is threatened by faith and trust in the gospel. And there's a spiritual battle every time you come into this room as to whether or not you will actually receive the word of God, whether you will truly believe what is proclaimed and what you will do about it when you leave. There's a spiritual battle going on for receptivity and belief in the gospel. Also, there is a substantial difference between physically hearing the word of God and personally receiving the word. This is what happened to me for 20 years of my life. There is a massive difference between physically hearing the Word of God and personally receiving the Word. It's why Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's not about physical hearing of the Word. It's about spiritual hearing of the Word. Each one of these soils got the seed. Every soil had evidence that the sower had been there. Jesus said that all four soils heard the word, but not every one of them received the word correctly. And eventually what was inside the seed was rejected and never allowed to bring forth life. This is the reason why so many different people can hear the same message, the same sermon, the same gospel preached, and leave that event, and some are encouraged, some are inspired, and some are changed, and others leave totally unaffected. And the reason for it has absolutely nothing to do oftentimes with what was proclaimed. It has to do with the condition of their heart towards the things of God. Thousands of people have heard the gospel and even may have had some positive signs of spiritual life at some point in time. But when you look at their life today, there is no genuine spiritual life. There is no spiritual fruit. There is no discernible love for Jesus Christ. There is no love for His Word. There is no desire to be more like Jesus. There is no grief over their sin. There is no genuine love for the church. There is no conformity to Jesus Christ. All of these things are byproducts of receptivity to the gospel. As Paul Tripp once said, it's not enough to be in the room. You can be in the room where the Word of God is taught and not benefit from it at all. You can hear God's Word preached and walk away utterly unchanged. You can even have joy at what you are hearing, and it makes no difference in your life whatsoever. That's why Jesus said, take care then how you hear. Did you know that you have a personal responsibility for how you prepare to hear the Word of God? Did you know that? Did you know that your willingness to properly hear the sermon today is just as critical as my responsibility to prepare it? As a matter of fact, I spend as much as 10 hours every week to preach one Sunday morning message. 10 hours on average is what it takes for me 
to prepare a sermon. I don't tell you that to impress you. I just tell you that to tell you that to, to preach a sermon from God's Word accurately and correctly for me takes a, a lot of time and effort. And yet most people enter into a church almost every week with dozens of personal agendas on their mind. And for many of them, none of them is actually about preparing themselves to receive the Word of God. Preparing yourself to receive the Word has a lot to do with with what you do on Saturday night before you prepare to come to church. It has a lot to do with what you do on Sunday morning. It has a lot to do with before you walk out of the house or before you walk into, into the building to say, God, I'm about to go into to your church today and I'm about to hear the Word of God taught in Sunday school or proclaimed. Help me to understand it and apply it. The Bible does give clear instructions to those who are pastors and teachers about our our responsibility to faithfully proclaim God's Word, but the Bible gives many instructions about how we as church members are to receive the Word as well. And there's a substantial difference between physically hearing the Word and personally receiving the Word. Number three, how you apply the truth of God's Word reveals the reality of your true spiritual condition. How you apply the truth of God's Word is what ultimately reveals the reality of your true spiritual condition. Jesus tells us about the differences in the soil. So we understand that there's hard path and rocky soil and thorny soil. And we're given that insight. But the sower who sowed the seed would have been very familiar with this field. And he would have known as he broadcast that seed where the rocks were and where the thorns were. Yet to the common eye, if we were walking by that field, for most of us, we would not be able to tell the difference between where each seed fell. The sower would understand that because he knows his field. But for many of us, when we look out on a field, we're just going to see dirt. We might see some dirt that's packed down and, and be able to see the path and understand that it was going to be hard for the seed to penetrate there. But we wouldn't see the rocks underneath the two or three inches of dirt. We wouldn't see the thorns that were festering inside of the thorny soil. All we would see is dirt. So how do we know what's rocky soil and what's thorny soil and what's good soil? We know because of what is produced. And how you apply the truth of God's Word is what ultimately reveals the reality of your true spiritual condition. You see, here's the deal. We all have the spiritual image that we are trying to maintain and the spiritual reality that directs our lives. Let me say that for you again. Each and every one of us have the spiritual image that we are trying to maintain in front of others and the spiritual reality that directs our lives. And when many of us come to church, we come to church with a spiritual image that we want others to believe of us. We know the expected behavior. We know the acceptable lingo. And let's be honest, for many of us, we know what it's like on Sunday morning to put on a spiritual mask and come to church and play the good church member. We have a spiritual image that we want to maintain, that we want others to think about us. And when we look out on the field today, you know what we see? We see dirt. We just see dirt. But the Father looks out here and He sees hearts. And He knows what hearts are hard. And He knows what hearts are crowded. And He knows what hearts have thorns of the world embedded within them, and He knows what hearts are prepared to receive the Word 
A false spiritual image is absolutely exhausting to maintain, and I believe that's the reason why most people who are not true followers of Jesus don't last in church very long. They give up on church because you can only fake it for so long. I heard a preacher say years ago, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. You ever heard that before? What's in the well comes up in the bucket, and whatever is ruling your heart will eventually be revealed in your life. It's not the truth of what you hear that reveals the tr- your true spiritual condition, but it's what you do with what you hear. It's what you apply. You can hear this message today, but if you do not make some personal application of it, it will do absolutely nothing And for many of us, by Tuesday, we will likely remember very little of what we heard, and it will have little fruit and little evidence that we even heard the gospel proclaimed. How you apply the truth of God's Word reveals the reality of your true spiritual condition, which brings us to the fourth and final application, and that is this. God is not just interested in what's on the outside. God wants to do a deeper gospel work in you. God is not just interested in what's on the outside. Gospel transformation begins in the heart. The gospel is not about getting religious and cleaning up what's on the outside. The gospel is about transforming the sinful heart on the inside. It's not about getting your act right. How many of you ever talked to somebody and invited them to church and They were going through a hard time making a lot of bad decisions. And you say, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? And they said, oh, well, I I will, but but I got to get my life right before I show up at church. Anybody ever heard anybody say that before? Because we've been taught that, that, that Christianity is about behavioral management. It's about behaving properly. And we can't go to church if we don't have the proper behavior. But the gospel is not about getting religious and cleaning up what's on the outside. It's about transforming the sinful heart on the inside. Only one of these seeds was ready to receive, or one of these soils was ready to receive the seed in such a way that it could be transformed from a small seed to a fruitful plant. And not everything that looks good, like good soil on the outside is actually good soil. God is not interested in you cleaning up your act. God is not interested in you playing religion. God is not interested in your good works. And you may fool a lot of people, including yourself, for a little while, but it will not last until the Holy Spirit is given a chance in your heart to do a deeper gospel work. When Ezekiel was describing what was going to come in Jesus Christ, and he began to describe the power of redemption, Ezekiel said this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Jesus is talking, Ezekiel was talking about spiritual heart surgery. He was talking about doing a deeper spiritual work inside of us. And so the wise sower God knows that before the hard path can receive the seed, it will have to be tilled and turned over to reveal the good soil underneath. Before the rocky soil will have to receive the seed, it will have to be pierced and the rocks will have to be excavated out of it. The crowded things are going to have to be taken away. And the thorny soil will have to have the idolatrous false plants meticulously removed from them. Because God wants to do a deeper gospel work in you and me. But to do that, we have to submit to the Holy Spirit's work of removing the debris and the impediments in our hearts. 
We have to submit our hearts to the Holy Spirit's work. We have to say, you know what, God, in my life, I feel like there's some, I feel like there's some crowdedness in there right now. I feel like there's some rocks in there and I'm not receiving your word the way I should and I need you, Holy Spirit, to begin to remove those things. That's not easy. That's painful. That's hard work. Maybe you got some, some, some worldly concerns in there and you've been too preoccupied with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of worldly riches and you need to pray to the Holy Spirit, God, I need you to remove that so I can receive your word. A few weeks ago, my family and I were doing some work in our backyard and we, had a, we have a, a really nice dogwood and we have another plant that was right next to it that was dead and they were growing up right next to each other. And so my wife wanted the dead plant removed and my, father, my son Nathan and I got out there and, and we dug and we, we got a, a pickaxe and we chopped and we dug and, and we went through about an hour of the arduous task of removing and uprooting this unwelcomed plant from our, from our garden. It was hard, exhausting work, but it was fruitful work. And sometimes what we need is we need to come to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I know this isn't going to be easy. I know this is going to be hard. I know this is going to be exhausting, but I want to receive the word of the kingdom. And so would you root these things out of my life because they have no place. You see, before you can ever receive the seed of the Word of God, you have to receive the truth about who Jesus is. You have to come to the point in your heart and your life where you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He went to the cross to die for your sin, that you stand before God as a, as a sinner, bearing the full weight of your sinful choices, and that the only choice that you have is to trust in one who went to the cross on your behalf. And so this morning we want to offer you an invitation to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you've got a hard heart or a, or a, or a crowded heart or, a, or a, a worldly heart. And you've never truly trusted in Jesus Christ. you played church all your life. You've heard thousands and thousands and thousands of sermons. But it's never borne fruit in your life because you've never truly surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ. In just a moment we want to give you an opportunity to do that. But maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and... And you've been noticing that the Word of God just doesn't seem to have the kind of impact that it has before. And maybe that's because you've allowed some thorns to grow up in your soil. Maybe you've allowed some rocks to be embedded in there that you haven't dealt with. Maybe today you just need to come and ask the Holy Spirit to do a new work in your heart and say, you know what, clear my heart so that I can be fruitful for you, Lord Jesus. Whatever it is, in just a second, as we sing, we want you to, to come and respond to the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? As David comes to lead us in a song of invitation, in just a moment, if you need to talk to someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ, you come. Father, we thank you that you are a good sower, that you're a wise sower, that you know our hearts, you know our soil even better than we know ourselves. And so I pray today, God, that you would begin to do a work in our hearts and in our lives, that you would begin to, to pull out those rocks and those impediments, that you would remove those weeds, God, that you would, by your grace, take the, the till of the Holy Spirit and that you would pierce into cold, hard hearts today and you would begin to, to root out and bring up the good soil underneath. God, I pray you would give people today the faith to believe the gospel. Father, we pray you would do a good gospel work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?
You respond as the Lord Jesus leads you this morning.